Welcome to Innovate for Impact, an informative mini-series brought to you by Tanya Gomez Consulting. In this series, we embark on a journey to explore the remarkable innovations that are shaping the landscape of the NGIS for a more inclusive future. Join us as we uncover inspiring stories of visionary individuals, organisations and technologies that are revolutionising the way we approach disabilities. Hi, Abdul. Welcome. Thank you, Tanya. How are you? Uh, good. It's so good to have you here and so nice to meet you in person after so many years working together. Likewise. Yeah, it's, yes. been, it's been a journey. It has been. It has been. Yeah. yeah. So today you're joining me in a new series we're doing called Innovate for Impact, which is talking about innovation in the disability space. Um, to begin with, can you tell me about Cozy Home Care? What do you do? Tell us more about you. So Cozy Home Care is all about creating a community, a community of staff, a community of participants, bringing that together and making it work for the best outcome for clients mm. and our participants in general. Amazing. And, and what communities do you serve? So we predominantly serve uh, you know, communities in the mental health sector, uh, trying to blend together a housing model that accommodates people that otherwise would not have a housing model in the community. Yeah, okay. Um, and where did Cozy Home Care come from? What's been your journey to where you are today? So we've started with Cozy Home Care a few years back and we've been delivering direct support services uh, for some time and then you know, we've noticed that there was a big need for a housing and a housing model. Uh, for people with disability and we thought you know by having a conversation with a few developers having a conversation with other stakeholders as well as the portfolios how can we best model a housing package for participants mm. who might otherwise either stay in hospital for long or might become homeless mm. and you so predominantly you do support independent living Yes. Um, and how do you decide where you're going to set up a home? Well, this uh, you know, demand plays a factor into it. Uh, accessibility plays a big factor into it. Uh, having uh, you know, hospitals nearby, um, having amenities nearby, um, you know, where the people's lives are not disturbed by moving them too far out. Uh, and just you know, enough for them to be able to afford uh, just continue to live within their community. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Um, and can you talk us through your personal background and what, how you got to running Cozy Home Care? Uh, so we've started back in 2017. Um, this is where Cozy Home Care first got registered. Um, at the time, there wasn't a lot of providers uh, providing supports around. Uh, the National Disability Scheme was quite new and fresh at that time. We rolled out across Melbourne, yeah. and you know, some hospitals still didn't have um, you know NDI services as as yet. It was being rolled out. There was a, you know a demand for providers to bring good support staff. To be able to deliver and understand, you know, between the NDIS and at the time the Victorian 
DHSS compliance guides to yeah. make it work. So it was an evolving time, mm. and we were quite happy to just, you know, be involved at that stage of the rollout the NDIS. Yeah, okay. And you were originally doing direct supports, and you made the decision that supporting independent living was where you were going to move. Why did you decide to, so I think you had about 80 clients under direct supports and you decided to help them find other providers so that you could move exclusively into supported independent living? Yeah, at the time we were actually <coughs> supporting close to 200 uh, clients uh, the direct services, you know, from you know, two hours of you know, uh, community access uh, service all the way to cleaning services. Yeah. But we thought that looking at housing and a housing model, uh, because predominantly um, many people that are you know, in the NDIS uh, participants uh, are at real risk of becoming homeless mm. and or are spending a lot of time you know, in hospital settings and are unable to find suitable accommodations. Mm. Uh, so we thought we could play uh, you know, a role even though small mortgages mm -hmm. uh, in providing a housing for participants, um, you know, a model where they can share you know, the cost and contribution to the house, mm -hmm. as well as you know, sharing services as well. Uh, it would be affordable in the sense of the you know, NDS package, as well as you know, uh, the rental and utilities, you know, uh, as you are aware, mm -hmm. around 5% of the NDIS. Uh, you know, participants are eligible for SDA, yes. the remaining are not. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and many of the developers concentrate on the higher end of the SDA mm -hmm. model. So, you've got a big pool of you know, participants that do not have a housing. Yeah, don't have anything for the housing. Yeah. And, and what do you think <clears throat> makes what you do at Crazy Home Care unique and different? So, Coaching Home Care, we'd like to see ourselves as a community and uh, our participants being part of that community and the centre of that community. So, building a community of our admin staff, you know, our support staff, you know, um, to be able to support you know, the model that they're part of that community. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time we get it right, and you know, sometimes if we get it wrong, we have to always you know, learn and see how we can better do that. Mm. So how, how do you establish a community between between you and your participants? You know, by our team is number one, you know, by recruiting the best staff uh, that we can possibly recruit uh, from our admin staff, from our management staff, as well as you know, uh, <coughs> our direct care support staff, as well as you know, being able to, um, I guess, trying to match, you know, people that, sh uh, some, uh, participants that share the same environment, mm -hmm. uh, that they have the same uh, interests and, you know, likes and looking at that as well so that the community within the home works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, and inside your services, you use what's called a concierge model for some of your services. Yeah. So the concierge model is that they have a 
support worker who's available and then it's up to them to say I like my meal now I'd like to be showered now I want to go and do this now and they're they're using their support worker like a concierge to serve their needs when they'd like as opposed to having a predetermined schedule so the participant actually determines their schedule Mm -hmm. they make the time um you know that discussion that we had initially where they talk about, you know, when would they like to have things happen and for how long. Mm-hmm. And then that is sort of scheduled in and that they've got a dedicated person that comes in for that period of time mm-hmm. that is able to deliver those services. Yeah. And because you've got staff on uh, standby as well, if something uh, changes at your room, then this participant has that option of calling on the staff that are scheduled you know, on site mm. their needs. And, and the benefit to this is that it's more personalised for them it's, and that they're controlling it. Yeah, it's more personalised for them and they're also able to you know, access other support providers to come in. Mm. Uh, you know, different, so you know, some of the participants might have worked with a different sorry, with a provider for a very long time and have had a personal relationship with their support staff yeah. uh, and you know maintaining that connection is quite important to them mm-hmm. you know, and as well as being uh, moving into a new environment where they require services yeah. so uh, we like to maintain that mm-hmm. and see how we can work with participants to fulfill their needs yeah and, and what is <clears throat> is this more challenging for you as a provider to have a concierge model um, it is uh, and it isn't. So it's all about having that conversation mm-hmm. with the participant. And, you know, uh, so we've got a model. We know how many um, clients would be moving into that apartment, uh, knowing their needs and having that, uh, you know, scheduled in a way that it is, you know, you know viable for us as a service provider as well as the participant as well. Mm. What is it that that some providers don't offer this personalised support? Um, I think it's a little bit more challenging, mm. uh, I'll be honest, but uh, every provider has a different way and model of looking. So we like to design our model around the participant uh, and the participant's need. Mm. And how do you establish the participants? What is the process when you have a new participant to be able to put a concierge model in place? So it's about having that conversation with the participant, having that conversation with the allied health, uh, the participant, uh, as well as the advocates for the participant, and working out what, you know, how does that model fit mm-hmm. with the participant. And, the participant can, you know, opt for a direct care service and not, you know, they, they, that's what they want. Yeah. And they can have that, you know. So the model is predominantly more around, uh, you know, allowing participants to be able to move into a house mm-hmm. without preset, uh, you know, um, care model mm-hmm. that, that, that's predetermined that they need to you know, uh, to live here, they have to have X amount of, um, uh, you know, um, 
supports mm -hmm. that you're required to be delivered for them. Yeah. yeah. So it gives them flexibility in how they use their plan. How they use their plan, yeah. And then they're able to use that with other participants as well to keep the costs low. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. What would your advice be to a provider who's looking at implementing a model like this? Well, it's a conversation that has to uh, be had um, with the provider as well as either the SDA or the, you know, the housing provider as well that, um, you know, to put through a model that, you know, is the client is central mm -hmm. and, you know, rolling out to their, to their participants as well. So if it's not thought out quite well, then it might not work. Mm -hmm. But if you have the supports of the developers or the owners of the property, um, or the SDA provider and the civil provider, mm -hmm. and having you know, a, a model that is conducive and works well for participants. Mm -hmm. It's about stakeholder engagement. The stakeholder engagement. Getting everyone on the same page, making sure you all understand what this means and, and how this is of benefit for the participant. Yeah. Do you have you had pushback from stakeholders before about this model? Uh, this model is actually being implemented at the moment uh, quite broadly as well. Mm -hmm. So there's others that have uh, that, that use this model. So it is slightly. Uh, you know, a bit more challenging if that conversation is had, uh, and also predetermining the numbers of uh, participants that would uh, you know, engage in that model mm -hmm. to make sure that you know the, that number of participants um, you know it works well. Mm -hmm. you know? So, for instance, if you're uh, providing consumer services for you know ten participants that they bring one compound or you're delivering six versus five, you know, it depends on how that is structured. Mm -hmm. uh, so that you know you've got only 24 hours of the day and people have preferences in when they receive their services. Yeah. And as a provider you're uh, delivering a service and you know for you to be able to roster the you know staff that mm -hmm. do that. So it needs to be a balance between the participant staff and you know all other stakeholders as well. And this is a best fit model for the, for the, for the participants. Yeah. Okay. Um, <coughs> what further? Well, you you have quite a growth trajectory. You're growing quite quickly at Cozy Home Care. What? How do you see, or what processes do you need in place to continue to have such a personalized model as you grow at scale? So, um, so we've got our business plan and our trajectory, and you know we've, we'd like to put the right people in the right places mm -hmm. and have the you know not just us as cozy home care, but having stakeholders and engage uh, different consultants as well. Mm -hmm. As you know, we've worked together for quite some time here. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you are aware of most of our processes, and you are also engaged in you know how we deliver, uh, you know, and having those advisors um, is very crucial to be able to scale and grow. Mm. 
And we've done a big piece of work recently around your processes and systems. We've mapped out your whole journey from when your participant starts to when they exit and everything that can happen in between um, and kind of use that as a bit of a training process for staff to be able to scale the business. Um, how have you found that process? It's, it's very vitally important to have processes in place mm -hmm. so you know you're able to train staff around those um, you know designing that in your head but once it goes on paper getting the feedback from someone like you know, yourself yeah. um, you know, plays a, uh, you know, a major part in implementing good systems mm -hmm. um, you know so uh, that's how we like to see that you know We've got processes, but we want to challenge them mm -hmm. to make sure that they're compliant, to make sure that they're best practice, and to make sure that they allow for the growth uh, trajectory that we want. We want, but they have to be all about quality services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, what kind of other innovation would you like to see in the disability space? Where do you think there's room for improvement? Well, I think it's all about um, engaging all the stakeholders. Uh, you know, at the moment, uh, as you know, in the current market, there's a housing, housing shortage uh, in Melbourne in general, uh, around Victoria. And, you know, people, you know, participants with disability actually find it more harder. And the current model that is available at the moment is the SDA system, yes. public housing. Mm. So I think by having a conversation around you know, how do we uh, innovate to come up with a new model that's probably we haven't thought of yet, you know, to make those dwellings uh, available you know, for participants. Yeah. So how do we how do we make housing more accessible when we've got a rental crisis and the, the cost of housing? We still have a homelessness problem. All of those things are still big challenges for for NGS participants. They are, and you know they're the most vulnerable in that scenario because uh, people that have disability uh, you know are more vulnerable to become homeless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of work in that space. How many SIL homes or, or SDA homes are you looking to have over the next 12 months? We'd like to grow. We'd like to partner with other providers as well to deliver some of those best services uh, and to remain uh, for us to be able to deliver the best quality services. Um, you know, and maintain that, you know, the participant at the centre of that. Uh, so we're quite measured in how quickly we like to grow. Uh, so I'm a little bit hesitant to bring a number, but we'd like to, uh, we'd like to revisit that at every stage to see yeah. how well we're doing in terms of our service delivery and output. Yeah. So you want to grow sustainably and making sure that you're still delivering high quality support. Absolutely. I think that's, that's the most uh, the, the important part is you know, to grow with the best quality yeah. that you want for the participant. Mm. And if there's other providers who are looking to deliver a similar concierge model or a SIL model, 
Um, what advice would you have for someone just starting out? Well, there is a, a need for housing, and the more, sorry, the more PDIs providers move into a space, they'll probably be able to help solve the problem. Uh, you know, so having that conversation with other providers as well as uh, you know having that conversation with maybe perhaps your um, local developer coming up with a model that best services the client um, is probably the advice that I would give is have you know there should be more engagement between providers. Mm. Um, it's not a competition, but I think we can best uh, add value to each other's uh, you know, work. Yeah, yeah, create a great network. Yeah, work collaboratively with the participant in mind. Yes, I've seen that more and more. I think maybe when Nandos was first rolling out, everybody was protective of their patch, but I feel like as we've progressed over the last 10 years, that there is a lot more collaboration. Um, that there are even in cell homes, there might be two different providers in the same cell home providing support for consistency of care um, or continuous supports and that especially somewhere regional or remote you might have multiple organizations working in the same house so that the participants always covered yeah do you work in relationships like that we do um, you know we allow uh, participants choice of control um, we allow participants to engage other service providers as well uh, but it's all, I think it's all about having that conversation, yeah. uh, you know, in general with allied health, having that conversation with the support coordinators, as well as other providers, and how, by coming together, I think there's more uh, value added yeah. uh, as a model mm. than the standalone uh, care provision yeah. system. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the things that I've noticed that, that Cozy Home Care does differently is that you actually quite take quite a long time at the beginning of the process to figure out is this participant right for you, yeah. that you don't accept everybody, that you actually make sure that this person is a right fit for your community, for the, the location they're going to, um, and if they're not, you actually work with them to find a provider who's best suited. Absolutely, and, you know, it's all about creating a community. Mm -hmm. I think the bigger that community gets, uh, and the more inclusion that community is, uh, you know, the better you know, we can uh, contribute towards the NDIS uh, system as a whole. Yeah. So working with other providers and you know, having that even close referral where you know, we recently just reached out to a lot of support providers in our area to do exactly what you just said, you know, we're allowed to take on a participant uh, who don't have a vacancy and that we have that conversation with the allied health and say we know someone that's good yeah. uh, they have we've got their vacancy list here uh, you know it's probably would you would like to have a conversation with that person with yeah. that provider it's really creating an ecosystem around the participant. So yeah. you're only one part of a massive network that they're part of. Yeah. And the better that you are connected to all of those parts, the better you can provide those supports for the participant. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're learning that more and more by working uh, you know, with all the stakeholders, the better the outcome would be for, for everyone. Yeah. And how do you do that without 
without without seeing other providers as competitors? Well, it's quite simple because if you look at what is the best outcome, because you can't do everything or you can't do everything right. Mm. Um, so partnering with people that are like-minded, yeah. um, that have the same you know, uh, quality of processes mm. and you know, like-minded in terms of putting the partners first, yeah. uh, then you have no you know, problem collaborating with, with them yeah. because um, no one organization is able to cover everything. Mm. So it's all about giving participant choices. Yeah. It's all about uh, networking with people that are like-minded mm. and organizing, you know, how do we make you know the industry you know better as a whole. And it sounds like you're really clear on the role that you want to play there. That you don't want to be the allied health provider, you don't want to be the the builder, yeah. but you want to find the best people who do that so that you can play your part better. Exactly. So it's all about finding you know where you can best serve mm. in delivering that service and finding the partners that can better help you deliver your services. Mm. And that's kind of changed, I feel, over the past five years, the whole NCOS landscape has kind of moved towards that because early on, most providers, and I know that you have a lot of registration groups, most providers did register for everything and feel like they could be the one-stop shop. But now we're moving away from a one-stop shop model and really moving to an I'm an expert and I'm going to collaborate with other experts. We did the same thing. At the beginning, because uh, I think when we, when we first started, maybe a lot of the, the services and names, you know, not everybody was familiar with exactly what to work. So, you know, um, as we move on to uh, understand the industry better, yeah, um, it's all about really staying within that comfort zone where you can deliver the best services possible, yeah, and you know. Letting other providers who are expert deliver those other services. Yeah. And knowing that there's enough participants and enough demands yeah. that you really can be true to what you're great at and forget about the rest. Yeah. It, yeah. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of um, energy to try to be the best at everything. Yeah. <laughs> but it's quite easy to be good at one thing and then, you know, to be able to have processes and systems around that and then, you know, being able to scale that uh, to, you know, a good quality service, you know, yeah. outcome. Yeah, I think the same is something like jack of all trades but master of none, you yes. know, that idea that you can be a generalist yeah. or an expert yeah. and you definitely are an expert now in supporting independent living. Well, we're still learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're all still learning. That's the yeah, point, yeah, right? It, yeah. It's it's something that's been made up. It yeah. didn't even exist 10 years ago. So this is a brand new sector. Yeah. And we're all making it up as we go along. Yeah. And that's why the shared consciousness or the, the working collaboration with other people is so important to share that knowledge as we as, as we are creating what is best practice. Yeah. Get to the right. Um, it's a model that has been uh, sort of evolved um, and everyone is trying to contribute towards best practice in that but you know the 
again, having you know been an expert in one area, or to try to at least be you know, an expert in the service that you bring, on how you deliver, on what outcome and impact it's having, mm. um, and continuously trying to improve that one that service to be able to you know have a good output and you know have a good quality output. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was all my questions for you today. Thanks for coming and chatting to me all about Cozy Home Care and I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. It's lovely being here today. Hope to continue to have these conversations. Yeah, thanks Abdul. Thank you. On the next episode of Innovate for Impact. What we're trying to do at, at COCO and why I suppose we initially set up COCO was to um, provide something a little bit different within the NDIS sector, specifically around respite. So we predominantly work in respite at the moment. Um, and through my experience and through Renee's experience, um, we kind of, you know, we've got a shared 15, you know, 35 years experience. So what we've got to see within the disability and community services sector is what works really well. And then we've also seen some of the things that we would like to do a bit better. Thank you for joining us on another enlightening episode of Innovate for Impact. Stay tuned for more thought-provoking conversations and innovative ideas that drive positive change within the NDIS space. Remember, together we're shaping a future where innovation and impact go hand in hand.